At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Bet Center on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome in, folks. Second hour of Bet Center. And no more Harvard handicapper. Season's over, of course. So uh, we got a lot to get to in the world of baseball and a good hour on tap. Coming up at 15, William Hill, VSN contributor, is going to be with us, hosting the New York City cast. The Yankees, they have their losing streak, get struck down today by the Toronto Blue Jays in wild games. So we'll talk to him about what looks like is the best team in baseball in the New York Yankees. And along those same lines, Scott Seidenberg is going to be with us as well, coming up in 30, as we're going to get a look at uh, the slate for tomorrow and some futures talk, too, uh, with Scott when it comes to the Major League Baseball. And then finally, we're going to end on a good note, an interesting note. We are creeping closer and closer to college football and, of course, the NFL. Aaron Moore, Points Spread Weekly contributor and, of course, a sports media professor over at Ryder University, uh, wrote a great piece up on the website and in Points Spread Weekly about betting Heisman futures. So we'll get a thought on that from Aaron when he joins us at 4.45 p.m. Pacific time. A quick recap of what we watched in the first hour, of course, Matthew Fitzpatrick winning the U.S. Open, a really brilliant performance from Fitzpatrick. Steady hand down the stretch of this tournament. Will Zalatoris missing a 14-foot putt for birdie that would have tied him at six under par and forced a playoff. Not the case, though, as uh, Fitzpatrick is now a U.S. Open champion. So we'll be done with golf for now. We spent a full hour on that, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and if you missed out any part of our interview with Andy McNeil, who was with us break down the Stanley Cup, you can find it up on vsin.com. So really quickly, before we move on to some other baseball topics, want to set the scene for Sunday Night Baseball, which is about to get underway. And there's nothing really to expand on a lot, but let me tell you closing prices and some of the angles that we're watching coming into this game because Houston is going to take on Chicago in this Sunday Night Baseball matchup. Looks like the Astros are going to close about $1.45, $1.50. Total of seven shaded to the over at minus 125. And a really good pitching matchup they're going to watch tonight between one, Mike, uh, one Michael Kopech and Christian Javier for the Houston Astros. Rubber match of a three-game set between these two as well. Um, Chicago took the contest on Saturday. Eight and five, their last 13, so turning things around a little bit. Houston, three-game winning streak, snap of that loss. They're six and seven in their last 13. Kopech, though, really good numbers. 192 ERA, 315 expected, and a 312 fielding independent. They're three and six, the White Sox are, in his last nine. Five and six in his uh, 11 starts of the season. Really not any fault of his own. And if you look at it, well, there's some numbers that could suggest some regression coming from Kopech, not an extreme amount that may be worth actively fading in this spot. And in fact, we have seen a move toward the Chicago White Sox as the Astros opened up about a minus 159 favorite on the overnight line. Christian Javier, by the way, 320 ERA, 293 expected ERA, and a 304 fielding independent. Uh, Houston has actually dropped Javier's last two starts. He's got three starts, though, when she's pitched five or two innings or more. 
So start out the year in the pen. We'll see how long he goes. I think it's one of the things you want to watch. Phenomenal strikeout pitcher, though. Uh, in terms of per nine, we're talking about 11.2, 30% K rate. Uh, not a lineup that's known for swings and misses here for the Chicago White Sox. So we'll see how that plays out between these two. And some notable injuries, as we know, Yohan Moncada has been dealing with some stuff, so he's not available for Chicago. Jerry McPena is not available for the Houston Astros. Player props to track here, Javier, strikeout 6.5, shaded to the under at minus 165. Total outs for Javier, 16.5, shaded to the under at minus 125. And walks over minus 145. Walks are actually pretty interesting because Kopech has had a little bit of a problem with them. 2.5 walks shaded to the under at a buck sixty. Strikeouts for Kopech at 4.5, shaded to the under at minus 170. So this thing's just about to get started. Oh, Jose Altuve's wired. I mean, in the proper way, not like the cheating baseball way. Um, he is wired for Sunday Night Baseball. So we'll keep an eye on that over the course of the next hour. Wanted to go back really quickly to give you some details, though, because this is definitely a final worth mentioning. As I said, the Blue Jays, in a wild game here, get a 10-9 win over the New York Yankees earlier today. They snapped this nine-game winning streak for the New York Yankees, and it looked like the Yankees uh, were well on their way to winning their 10th consecutive contest. It was wild. Up 2-0 Toronto Blue Jays. They blow that. They end up falling in a 6-2 hole. They get a solo shot from George Springer to cut that to three. And then the top of the sixth, uh, excuse me, the bottom of the sixth inning, um, excuse me, I apologize. I'm all over the place here. Uh, when you look at it, Yankees, top of the sixth. Higashioka homers, Gonzalez homers. All of a sudden, a 6-3 lead becomes an 8-3 lead. But Yuli Gurriel has a massive shot. You get a grand slam, cuts it 8-7, and then another deep shot from Hernandez makes it a 10-8 game. Rizzo solo shots make it 10-9, but ultimately a 10-9 final. Toronto Blue Jays end up getting this. And I want to talk to Will about this because one of the things that really sticks out about the Yankees is how freaking good they are, uh, but it is their pitching staff. And while Luis Severino did a really good job today for the most part, the final stat line, five innings pitched, five earned runs, four walks, nine Ks. He got out to a really good start, maybe left in a little bit longer than he should have been, and the bullpen gets beat up a little bit. But when you talk about a lineup that is within the top two in multiple categories and a starting rotation that is in the top two in multiple categories, uh, this Yankee team, the more you watch them, looks more and more uh, like the favor to win the entire thing. And we'll see if uh, one Will Hill echoes those sentiments. Speaking of New York, by the way, let's take a look at some of the top games for Monday. And one that really sticks out is the New York Mets taking on the Miami Marlins because this division has all of a sudden become really intriguing with the way that these teams have been playing. We know about the winning streak that was for the Atlanta Braves, and the New York Mets have kind of been playing 500 baseball. They're 6-4 in their last 10. Braves, by the way, snapped their brief two-game losing streak after winning 14 straight. Uh, so they are now 8-2 and two overall in their last 10, but we know how well they've been playing. Five and a half games back of the Mets. So the Mets trying to maintain pace here at the top of this division, and they get Trevor Rodgers. And Rodgers... Uh, has not been great for the Miami Marlins after last year where he was stupendous. Uh, 587 ERA, there's not much room for some improvement here. 517 expected, 523 fielding independent for Rodgers. And a guy who was a dominant strikeout pitcher last year, all of a sudden can't get dues to swing and miss, strikeouts way down, walks are way up for Rodgers, and that's not really a good equation here. 771 in terms of the strikeouts per nine, walking nearly five guys every nine innings. Trevor Rodgers is uh, a dude who is really reliable, does not look that way anymore. Initial price is opening up here, minus 150 in favor of the New York Mets, plus 130 coming back on Miami. And some big-picture stuff with the Mets, who just lost, of course, Tyler McGill, who's back on the injured list because of his sore shoulder. So these injuries to this rotation continue to keep coming, and they keep hitting New York. But still, you're looking at the Mets maintaining their spot. When you, when you dig a big enough hole, when you're the teams behind them, uh, sometimes you can try as hard as you can, but you can't make yourself out of it. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. 
Other matchup we're talking about here, we'll stick with the New York theme, is going to be New York and Tampa Bay because Garrett Cole, who humans and I were talking about this the other day, you could very much make an argument with the way that Nestor Cortez has been pitching, uh, with the way that this pitching staff has started to be, yeah, this pitching staff has started to shake out here for the Yankees, that Cole arguably could be their third best starter. Uh, Cole right now in the season, though, a tremendous 333 ERA and an argument to be made that he could be a little bit better. 304 expected ERA, fielding independent right in line with that. Expected fielding independence at 280, but as Adam Burke, who's going to be on the run line coming up next, has pointed out, a lot of noise when it comes to the XFIP given the home run rates and the dead ball that we're seeing and the home run rates being intricately tied to the expected fielding independent. And then you get Shane McClanahan, who gets to face this team for a second time in a week. McClanahan actually opposed uh, one Nestor Cortez about five days ago or so, and that was a dynamic matchup, and he actually performed relatively well. Uh, if you look at McClanahan, six innings pitched, uh, one earned run, two homers, struck out seven, walked two, but did as much as he could against a really solid lineup, of course, in the New York Yankees. So what does another go-round here, second consecutive start, mean against a lineup like this? And Cole on the other end, as we said, uh, potentially being undervalued. I mean, he has been playing pretty well. Uh, but the Yankees are always going to be priced to the moon in these divisional matchups especially. Uh, we'll see if this is going to happen. But they are $1.30 favorite initial price here on the road. Shane McClanahan at home, plus 110. Seems relatively tempting. We'll see if any of these um, baseball handicappers we got coming up in a couple of minutes would agree with that sentiment. Uh, but McClanahan, who has been among the contenders for the American League Cy Young, plus price at home, seems tempting even if the Yankees coming off of a loss might be a little bit of a better bounce back spot for a team that has been smoking hot. Uh, other matchups, there's a lot to go to, but I want to go to San Francisco and Atlanta for tomorrow because this has the makings of a really good pitching matchup too. Logan Webb is going to get the start for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, last time we saw him, and for the season, we should just paint the picture here, uh, another solid year for Logan Webb. A little off from last year, but not that far. 343 ERA, 341 expected, and a fielding independent of 308. So maybe some better things coming for Webb. Strikeouts are down, striking out uh, almost two fewer guys every nine innings. And on the other side, you get Max Freed, who's going to get the start for the Atlanta Braves. And Freed himself, uh, he has been so good. It's since that 2020 season, and it was a shorter season. You know, he, only, he only pitched 56 innings in that year, 165 and two-thirds in 2021. But this year, right back in it. 80 and two-thirds. He's striking out about the exact same, right around eight guys every nine innings, but a 290 ERA and a 280 fielding independent. Uh, Freed has been everything you expected. Nothing when you look at his underlying numbers would suggest any sort of regression coming for him in a negative way. Now, he's coming off of one of his worst starts. Talk about a road start against Washington. Give up four earned runs, and that started over five and two-thirds. That was the first time, though, in four starts in which he had given up more than two earned runs in an outing. So Freed has been absolutely tremendous for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, right now, first number's popping up here on this one. I've got on my screen, actually nothing popping up yet, so we'll see if this is actually going to start to appear. Uh, here we go, minus 150 in favor of Atlanta, plus 130 coming back for the San Francisco Giants on the road. Total of eight first numbers posted there. And last one we'll get to here as uh, we talk about teams kind of playing like some 500 baseball, middle and around, a team that should probably be not running away with this division, but should be in better position. Tied now with the St. Louis Cardinals on the top, but that would be the Milwaukee Brewers. Miles Michaelis is going to get the start. So this is a big series here between these two. Corbin Burns will oppose him as we're going to see if the um, Milwaukee Brewers can actually start to play some more consistent baseball in terms of winning. Corbin Burns, though, 252 ERA, 309 fielding independent. He has been 
every bit as solid, but you want more out of this lineup from the Milwaukee Brewers. Saw a little bit in that Mets series. Actually dinged up Tyler McGill before they took him out to an injury. That was probably part of it. But Michaelis, man, there is some regression coming, but it's not going to be massive. 262 ERA, 337 fielding independent, and a 375 in terms of the XFIP. Uh, this is going to be, I think, one of the best series in the next three days. On the board right now, we're seeing Milwaukee minus 160, plus 135, plus 140, coming back with a total of seven, shaded to the over at minus 120. I'm going to tell you, uh, given that we don't have that much of a discrepancy between uh, Miles Michaelis and numbers, again, hovering around about a half run difference between his uh, ERA and his fielding independent, and with the way that Milwaukee seems to be playing and maybe slightly overpriced given how inconsistent their lineup has been at times, be interesting to see how where the market goes uh, with that one. All right, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk with William Hill, host of the New York City Cast, decent contributor, get his thoughts on the two New York teams, what we just watched too, by the way, over Massachusetts, if he had anything in the Gulf, and much more when we come back here on Bet Center. is Bet Center on VSIN. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Betting Network. Welcome back, Bet Center. A reminder for all of you that this segment of Bet Center brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke free, spit free, and available in 10 varieties, and they come in two strengths. You can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. Visit zen.com slash find, locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, let's welcome in William Hill, host of the New York City cast and VSIN contributor. You find him all over the place. Will, good to talk to you, buddy, as always. Uh, let's start with the uh, wild game that transpired between the Blue Jays and the Yankees. Um, let me just ask you this. Uh, sarcastically, it's all over. Blue Jays are clearly much better than the New York Yankees, correct? J.V. Tizzle, happy Father's Day. You're going to a rant here with the, uh, the Yankees because – it, like you said, it doesn't matter. I know you're being sarcastic, obviously. It doesn't matter. Like, big picture for the Yankees. But that was a brutal loss if you had a Yankees ticket. They're up 8-3. to three. 
Toronto's got first and second, nobody out. Uh, ground ball to Donaldson. He's got an, a routine double play. He decides to try to tag third and throw to first. He was a little farther away from third than I think he thought originally. All right, so he gets the one out. So they get two outs, still eight to three. The first two pitches to Chapman are right down the middle. Should be 0-2. Instead, it's 2-0. He doesn't get either call. He ends up walking them. Next batter is a grand slam, and then it's 8-7. Then uh, the Blue Jays finish the comeback. So tough one for the Yanks, but uh, this division's over. The Yankees are just uh, a force to be reckoned with, which is going to actually put a lot of pressure on them, I think, come October. Because if you win, whatever they're going to win, whether it's 108 games, 110 games, which they're on pace for more than that, you figure they request a little bit. You haven't been to a World Series in 12 years. Uh, there's going to be some pressure to at least get to a World Series. Now, you know, if you lost in the first round to uh, the White Sox in four or five games, that's going to be a bad look, uh, a bad look. So a lot of pressure here on the Yankees, but just an incredible start here for, for New York. Yeah, you mentioned 11 games up on the Toronto Blue Jays. So, uh, like, I'll ask you because when I, when I watch New York, Will, like, I consistently think I'm watching the best team in baseball. Like, what takes this team down? You have a top-two lineup. You have a top-two starting rotation. Like, when I watch a team like the Dodgers who are similarly priced – I see a team with some flaws and some injury issues. It's not the same with the Yankees. I mean, barring health problems, what stops New York? Just the postseason, the small sample size that is a postseason. That five-game series, anything can happen. Hey, Cole gets bombed in game one, as we've seen before. Anybody can get bombed. And all of a sudden, hey, you're down one nothing, and you got to win, what, three out of four? So the small sample size, I think, is an issue. Uh, you know, Chapman's close to coming back. Keep him the hell away from big spots if you're a Yankee fan. You do not want to see Chapman on the mound. I mean, Holmes has been tremendous, but... Hey, even in the seventh, eighth inning, he can hurt you. If you bring him in the three-two game in the seventh inning or eighth inning, he can hurt you just as much. Uh, you know, Gallo and Hicks have given them a little something lately, but the bottom of that order with Kiner Flafa, uh, you know, the catcher's not a great hitter. Although Trevino's given them uh, a nice job and really stolen that job away from Higashioka, Gallo, Hicks. I mean, there's some weak spots in the lineup, but you know, it's been a really uh, impressive start to the season, and I think they're probably going to be a victim of their own success because if I'm another team. It's hard to get free agent pitching. You look at Robbie Ray, Kikuchi, Barrios. You yep. can spend a lot of money on these guys, and they end up doing poorly. If I'm another team, hey, get Matt Blake on my team, bank him the manager for a couple million bucks, not even. He's got a chance to turn your pitching staff around because if you, you know, read some of the quotes out in New York, he's done an incredible job. They call it the Yankees Pitching Lab where you know, he gets the spin rates and maximizes those, the velocity. Uh, with guys like Holmes, King, you just go down the line. The Yankee pitching has been tremendous, but again, Small sample size of the postseason, anything can happen. Yeah, you got um, three guys that have been wild. Montgomery, Nestor Cortez, Garrett Cole. I mean, you can make the argument, well, the humans made this point the other day, uh, that Garrett Cole, their third best starter, potentially? Yeah, that's that's another, look, it's a good problem to have, but it is a problem. Like, how do you order these guys once you get to a playoff series? I think just by default, as long as Cole is pitching reasonably well, and it, you know he could say he's, he's pitched poorly, but he's still got like a 3-3 ERA. Cole will probably get the ball in game one. But after that, you go Severino game two or you go Cortez. Whoever doesn't pitch game two probably goes game three. And then what? Tyone game four and you move Montgomery to the bullpen. It's tricky because they've all pitched well and they can all make a case uh, you know, to move up in the rotation. All right, so let's go to the other New York team. And the Mets have won uh, six out of, I think, nine at this point. Uh, they do lose uh, to the Miami Marlins six to two. Uh, but let me ask you this as we kind of look at this Mets team as a whole and what's gone on in this division. Tyler McGill hits the injured list yet again. He's got uh, uh, shoulder soreness. Uh, we have seen what's happened with this rotation overall, uh, but they continue to operate at a pretty solid level. Pete Alonso has played really well. Any worry in any way whatsoever that that five-and-a-half game lead is not going to hold over the Atlanta Braves? No, they had a nice little counterpunch this weekend. I mean, you think about it. It went from ten-and-a-half all the way down to four on Thursday night, and Atlanta was off. 
and the Mets were down 4-1 to Milwaukee, and you're thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be down a three. And Look, if you're up three second week of June, that's basically like a non-existent lead, but they came back, won that game 5-4, to four, won two out of three this weekend, actually got the lead back up to six and a half. Now, today we're back to five and a half, but five and a half is still a nice little cushion. It's not insurmountable. Looks like Scherzer, a rehab start this week, back with the next the week after, maybe Monday or Tuesday of next week. DeGrom, who knows what, what the latest update. I mean, at some point, the guy's got to just stop throwing bullpens and you know, hopefully face live batters, a simulated game, a rehab start, something. But Mets are in good shape. You know, they've, they've dodged a bunch of bullets here. Uh, like you said, five-and-a-half game lead. That's something. It's not nothing. You figure they add a bat at the deadline. You figure they add a bullpen guy, get Scherzer back, and you know, hopefully get DeGrom back within the next month or so. All right, so a team that does not have a, uh, a large lead in their division and actually just went down to the Cleveland Guardians, that would be the Los Angeles Dodgers. That final right now is going to be 5-3. to three. It looks ninth inning all over and done with. And this is a team, as I mentioned, they're about – this is just one shot. DraftKings plus 450 to win a World Series. Uh, humans and I have talked about this a lot. Well, like this does not look like the Dodgers team that I think a lot of people expected coming into this year. There are a lot of extenuating circumstances. We know about what's going on with the rotation. They just get Kershaw back. Uh, we know that Walker Bueller, of course, forearm tightness. What's going on here? How much is what's going on with LA? They're still a very good team, but looking more like a really good team instead of an elite team. How much of it is injury and lack of personnel? How much of it should we be concerned with and looking at them from a price point of like maybe being overvalued by the betting market? Yeah, I think little column A, little column B. I think they're certainly overvalued. And look, it's the Dodgers. They'll make a move. They'll bring in a Luis Castillo or a Montas or hell, they'll bring in both. That's just their style. But I thought not replacing Scherzer was kind of a, uh, an unsung miss for them because, I mean, obviously they got nothing out of the Bauer contract. And at the time, it was like compared to KD to Golden State, it was like, oh my God, the last thing they need is Trevor Bauer. But it, it ended up they kind of needed something out of Bauer because Kershaw's older. He's still really good, but he's been back and forth with injuries. You know, they miss May, who will be back in August, up to May, you know, August, September-ish. Ewer's been ineffective and now hurt. Gonsolin's thrown the ball well, but it's a lot of Mitch White. It's a lot of Tyler Anderson, who's, you know, pitched well here, but, he, you know, nobody's going to be afraid of Tyler Anderson in game two of a playoff series. So there's there's level for concern. Obviously, they'll make a move or two, but, uh, you know, plus 450 to win a World Series. There's just no value on that whatsoever. All right, well, hey, before we get you out of here, we got still got a couple minutes left with you. Uh, did you have anything in the golf in this U.S. Open? No, I took a little Hadwin. I had a little burns. I just I played away with some uh, played around with some live stuff. So nothing for me. I saw Fitzpatrick won. Um, a little depressed, JVT. Usually, I mean, I thought for a while that we'd be sitting here at this point talking about a Game Seven of the NBA Finals. Oh yeah. Think about how different this show would be. This day would be. I mean, we'd be counting down the hours, counting down the minutes for a Game Seven of the Finals. I really thought we we're going to get it. Boston just uh, you know ran out of gas. Complete no show on Thursday after getting a twelve to two lead. So NBA season's over. It, it's you know, it feels like it's been a while since we've had a real NBA offseason. When you think about the bubble went to mid-October, even last year, Suns-Bucks went to mid-late July. So now we, we got no basketball to Halloween. We actually get to recharge the batteries and uh, you know, look forward to next year. Uh, well, I don't know, man. we got free agency coming up. The draft is this this sure. week. We have the summer league that's going to come in two weeks. Come on, now there's no offseason. Good point. What's your favorite draft draft prop bet? Because I've done no, like no research. I haven't made any bets on it. What do you like for a draft prop bet, and what's, what's the one through three look like? Uh, I think one through three is looking more like it's going to be uh, what we expect it to be, although I'm kind of surprised by it. Jabari Smith Jr., Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Bencaro. Um, I would say, actually, honestly, if you're really being serious, uh, the favorite would be Paolo Bencaro to go third overall because that seems like a quintessential lock right now. Uh, but if you're looking around at some of the draft position prop, uh, over on Benedict Matherin, 6.5, it's only minus 135. I like Matherin a lot. 
uh, but there's not a lot of leeway there. I thought I was going to get like 10 and be able to bet him under. Instead, it's six and a half slightly shaded to the over. I would look to bet Matherin over. I've heard some Pistons buzz with him at five, though. Again, I've done very little research on this. Do you buy any of that Pistons, the five stuff, or do you think they're going another direction? No, I think they go another direction. There's all, There's been a lot of buzz about Shaden Sharp and the Pistons, too. Uh, if Ivy falls in that direction, they might go They might go with him, too, because he could fit a little bit better off-ball with what they've got. So it, it does seem like there is buzz there, but I don't think that he is going to go that low. Yeah, Sharp's the interesting one because nobody's really seen him. Have you seen him play? Do you have a... A feeling on Sharp? I've seen like grainy, like Zabruder film footage, and it's right. like he, if you, whatever you see of him looks really good, but like you said, like there's nothing in terms of a track record. And that's one of those things that if you're a general manager, you, you keep hearing that you're a general manager with some tenure because then you can take a shot on that guy. Because if you're taking a top five, top six selection on a dude like that and he doesn't pan out, you're going to look like an idiot, you know? Yeah, I've heard he can shoot it really well, but his pass button is broken. He does not like to pass the basketball. Well, we'll see if that's the case. Will, good to talk to you, bud. Thank you very much for the time. All right, JVT. Appreciate it, man. Yep, take it easy. All right, we'll keep you up to date on everything going on. We're going to stick with baseball when we come back. Scott Seidenberg's going to be with us. But right now, we're at the bottom of the first inning. It's 3-0. Oh, no, what? That was out of the zone, but whatever. 2-1 count for Michael Brantley. It is scoreless bottom of the first between the Astros and the White Sox. Astros, of course, going off as the favorite in this matchup. So when we come back, Scott's going to be with us. We're going to talk some awards uh, with Scott. I know that he has his eye, at least when I was hosting with him on this last Monday. An NL pitcher who has been absolutely fantastic. We'll see if he still feels that way. If there's anywhere to dig in this Cy Young market, that looks pretty wide open in the AL. This is Beth Center on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. All right, we're in the bottom of the first inning, and the Houston Astros up one nothing over the Chicago White Sox and Michael Kopech. We got runners on second and third with just one out, and even some tough luck for the Astros a little bit uh, as a one Michael Brantley struck out swinging. Probably should have had a three zero or three one count, but got a little tough love there on a the call. So. The one nothing lead with Guriel at the plate for the Astros. Let's continue conversations around baseball. Scott Seidenberg, host, look ahead, is with us now. They talk a little awards, talks of baseball. Scott, good to talk to you, man. Did you have anything uh, in this Sunday night game at all? No, in the Sunday night game, I didn't play it. Uh, I was satisfied with the day, and I was just sweating out my U.S. Open golf futures, uh, which didn't come through. But as far as the Sunday night game, my early lean was the Astros and a little bit on the over as well, but I stayed away. Uh, so you mentioned early day. What was the day like for you? Uh, I was here with you, was it Monday, when you were sweating out uh, Miami. Uh, did you go back to the well with Sandy? I did. I had the under three and a half first five innings between the Mets and the Marlins. That was an easy cash. It was 0-0 after five innings. As Sandy Alcantara continues to be the best pitcher in the National League. Uh, I went with the over. The play of the day today was uh, over four and a half in the first five innings between the Yankees and the Blue Jays. You say Kikuchi is just a liability right now for the, the Toronto Blue Jays. And, and I don't know. I mean, they gave this guy a lot of money since coming over at all-star season last year in Seattle, but he has been terrible for them. He goes four innings, gives up three runs, uh, two of them uh, via the home run. And uh, Severino, I was worried about him. I didn't play the Yankees. I, I played the over because I was worried about Severino's schedule being thrown off. He hasn't pitched in nine days. And you know these pitchers are creatures of habit, and I just didn't want to get involved with a starting pitcher that is making his first start in nine days and being thrown completely off his rhythm. So I went with the over, 
in the first five. It was four and a half. And, uh, well, the Yankees got five by themselves. So uh, that one hit rather easily. Um, and then uh, I split the next two games. I had the Giants in the first five laying a half a run, and it was 2-2 two, two after five. So if I would have laid the juice on the money line, it would have been a split. But uh, instead, I laid the half a run. Then I took the Braves for the game uh, to avoid the sweep against the Cubs, and they won 6 nothing. Yeah, you mentioned Severino, too. I was kind of surprised, not only with what you're talking about, but uh, what'd you make of Boone leaving him in there going into the sixth? Because you talk about the schedule and the fact that I think it was at near 100 pitches at that point, too. And then sure enough, single walk, and then we know what happens from there. Yeah, the thing with the Yankees is that they are very uh, as dominant as their pitching has been and, and their bullpen has been. They are very strategic when it comes to the bullpen and their bullpen usage. So if guys have pitched, you know, two out of the last three days, they won't pitch again. And so you can kind of tell who's going to be available and who's not going to be available for the Yankees out of the bullpen. And just judging by the usage the past couple of days, you knew that you probably weren't going to get Clay Holmes. You probably weren't going to get Michael King. And you were going to get left with some of the – the bottom tier guys in the Yankees bullpen, which is what happened today where uh, Castro comes in and just uh, couldn't really do anything. So I wanted to ask a couple of things, awards and looking ahead to tomorrow, but since we're talking about the Yankees really quickly, want to get your thoughts. Uh, McClanahan's going to face this Yankees team again. He's opposing Garrett Cole. Uh, what do you make of the angle of t- you know pitchers making consecutive starts against teams? And the Yankees did win that matchup, but this is a really good pitcher in McClanahan. Is there anything to look at from a handicapping angle when you see pitchers make consecutive starts against lineups? So I love familiarity from a pitcher's perspective. Uh, I mean, from a hitter's perspective against the pitcher. But you also have to look at, like, I say this all the time, JVT. I say context matters. Like, when you look at what happened in that start against uh, the Yankees the last time from McClanahan, he gives up an early run, right, on the Aaron Judge home run, which is a home run to right field at Yankee Stadium, where it was only going to be a home run at Yankee Stadium and not a home run in every other ballpark in the league. So that could very easily have been a fly out to right field, and then he's out of the inning unscathed and doesn't give up a run. And then he's scoreless up until the bottom of the fifth inning, where it's first and second with only with nobody out. He gets the double play ball. And with two outs and a runner on third, instead of allowing him to get out of the inning and pitch to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Kevin Cash decides to intentionally walk him to pitch to Kyle Higashioka, who hits a two-out, three-run home run. So I look at the four runs that the Yankees scored off McClanahan, and I'm like, this easily could have been a zero on the board. Oh, and by the way, there was an error to start that inning. So all three of those runs on the home run were unearned from McClanahan. So... This is going to be another tremendous pitching matchup. I'll probably look at the first five between both of these teams, and with the game being in Tampa, I probably lean the Rays, actually. All right. Now, one of the first prices popping up was like plus 105, and that was something I mentioned. Rays, McClanahan, second time around, back at home. If you're getting a plus price on Tampa Bay, I would look at a pretty decent spot for the Rays. I want to go to the NL Central, get your thoughts. St. Louis, Milwaukee, you're going to start a pretty big series here. Michaelis is going to get the start against Burns. How much do you include analytics in your handicapping, Scott? Because if you look at some of the numbers in terms of like expected ERA, fielding independent for Michaelis, he's pitching ever so slightly above his head. It's not incredible, but it's still there. And he's taking on a Milwaukee team that's looking for some consistent wins with Burns on the hill. Would Michaelis be a play against here in this spot? And, and like that question, how much do you use the analytics as part of your handicapping process? Yeah, I do use it a lot. Uh, I take a look at the pitcher's expected statistics. Um, 
not just that. I love looking at things, and, and there's you know websites out there that show you all these numbers. I love hard hit percentage and barrel rate. How many times are you getting squared up by opponents? Are you missing bats? Are you getting a lot of swings and misses? Or are you pitching to a lot of contact? And are you pitching to you know hard contact off the sweet spot of the bat? Because then you're liable to give up a, a, a lot of runs. Uh, Corbin Burns has not pitched like the Corbin Burns that we remember. Now, he's had two back-to-back decent starts, I guess you can call it that, although he did give up some runs against Philadelphia and the Mets. The thing that worries me about Michaelis, and I always do this, and it could just be a gut feeling, I don't like pitchers after they throw a no-hitter. Now, Michaelis didn't throw a no-hitter, but he came one strike away from throwing a no-hitter. And in that start, he had, what was it, 100 and, if I recall, 120-something pitches, 130 pitches maybe. Mm -hmm. So I'd be very cautious with Michaelis here in this next start. I'm really curious to see how he bounces back after that outing. All right, I like it. All right, we'll go to one more before we get thoughts on some awards. Uh, Logan Webb, Max Freed looks like one of the best pitching matchups on paper tomorrow. What do you make of San Francisco on the road here with Webb getting the start against Freed, who we talk about analytics and numbers. I mean, you can't find a weakness in that dude's numbers anywhere. Yeah, I, I lean Atlanta here. Um, Logan Webb, dominant at home, a guy where I believe it was earlier this year where the Giants finally lost a game that he had pitched at home in, it seems like, uh, two years so Logan Webb at home is usually like an auto back for me. Uh, to me, it comes down to the lineups in these two in this game, and I'd favor the Braves lineup right now over the Giants lineup. Uh, and and at home, I like Atlanta uh, here and backing for it a little bit. All right. So you've talked a lot about Sandy, uh, best pitch, best. I don't want to put your words in your mouth. Best pitcher in the National League, correct? Yes. Okay. So I want to go to the American League because there seems to be more room here. Or, and I wouldn't say somebody coming up from the pack, but there are a lot more contenders, right? You're talking about Clanahan, uh, Manoa, Cortez even. Uh, if you're looking at the way the American League has broken down in terms of the Cy Young, is there any shot that you would take at this point? Because there are still plenty of season left here, and there is really nobody separating themselves like Sandy is in the National League, it seems. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it'll be McClanahan or Manoa for me. I'm not a big, I'm not a big Justin Berlander guy. Um, and when you look at McClanahan's numbers are just ridiculous. Now, Manoa, prior to his last start, was had the most disgusting home numbers that I think like you'll ever see. I mean, this guy. So he still goes and he gives up. He gets roughed up by the Yanks. All right, gives up uh, four runs. That was by far his worst home outing that he's had this season. Coming into that start, he was five and zero at home with opponents batting one seventy one against him. Like that's how that's how dominant he was at home, and with the Yankees doing what they did against him and scoring those four runs, his ERA at home went from one five five to like two point one five or something like that. And opponents' batting average is up to one eighty five, so opponents are still batting under two hundred against him at home this season. It's hard to find a more dominant pitcher than what Alec Manoa has been, but you can, and his name is Shane McClanahan. And if I was picking right now between the two of them, it would be Shane McClanahan as my American League Cy Young Award winner. Yeah, it's, been, uh, it's going to be great to watch it uh, as we head down the stretch here at Major League Baseball. We've still got plenty of baseball left to be played for these guys. Hey, man, we're up against it, as you know, but uh, appreciate some time and see him, uh, the inside, dude. Really do. Anytime, Jeremy. Take- yeah, you got it. All right. Again, Scott Seidenberg. Look ahead is the spot there. All right. A scoring update here. Uh, I saw somebody get tossed. I did not see who it was, but there was a – 
There were yells and screams toward the dugout of the Houston Astros. Somebody got kicked out of this game, but it is a one nothing lead at the top of the second inning. One out and a runner on first for the Chicago White Sox. And again, this rubber match between Chicago and Houston. So we'll keep an eye on that, and we'll come back and update some of the stats as well of what we've seen in this game so far. On the other side, though, uh, we'll shift gears here a little bit uh, because this is the perfect time of year to start getting involved potentially with Heisman odds. Uh, Aaron Moore, who's sports media professor over at Ryder University and PointsBrid Weekly contributor, had a fantastic column up in PointsBrid Weekly this week talking about the way to attack these and some really interesting angles on certain players. You know, For example, is betting on a player now a bet against an opponent in the second or third week of the season. We'll talk about that more when Aaron joins us next year on Bet Center. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Beth Center on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. VSN summer specials here for only $19. You get everything VSN has to offer from now until the end of July. Sign up today. You'll get VEASAN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily Major League Baseball best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of PointsBid Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want. It costs only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now VEASAN.com slash summer. Yes, summer is here. And what better time then to break down some college football than right now and part of what's tying into that summer special, everything you get at the website and Points Spread Weekly. That would include Aaron Moore's work up there, sports media professor over at Ryder, Points Spread Weekly contributor. Aaron, it's always good to talk to you. I love reading your stuff, and uh, I like angles like this, futures of talk. I like betting futures. So let's talk a little Heisman. And I wanted to open up with this, and it's kind of a, how you open up your article here when you talk about betting Heisman futures. But when you're talking about the profile of a winner for the Heisman. Let's start there because I've just kind of chalked it up as, yeah, it's a quarterback's award, and there's some truth to that. Well, thanks for having me, JVT. Happy Father's Day to you. And it is interesting. We talk about the Heisman, and we talk about it being a 
a war that's often now given to the quarterback. And if you look at it, the numbers are staggering. So I, I point out in the article, the last 22 winners, 18 of them have been quarterbacks, just three running backs and one wide receiver. So it's not just talking about it and feeling that it's a wide, or excuse me, it's a quarterback award. It truly is a quarterback award. And whenever you start handicapping the Heisman, if we do it now in June or we do it in October, we really have to start looking at the quarterbacks. So as you look at it then and you start to whittle it down, and you note it here, I mean, if you look at any Heisman's odds board, uh, it's just going to be littered with quarterbacks from Power 5 teams. So how do you work your way through these odds at the top here? Because it would seem, I mean, I always say it, Aaron, if we know it, they know it, and it's pretty clear looking at the Heisman board uh, that they know that this is a profile of a, of a winner of the Heisman. Absolutely. And if, you, if you're going to look at it from a handicapping standpoint, from a sports betting standpoint, from even a college football fan, even if he or she isn't a better, you're going to start talking about the Heisman and you're going to start talking about Alabama. You're going to look at Ohio State. That's where literally the public knows that's where the Heisman talk starts. And that's why you have Stroud and Young at such low odds. You're looking at Stroud in the area of two and a half to one, Young to repeat at three to one. Those are extremely low odds. And as you said, that the bookmakers know what everybody else knows. And that just from betting those two guys, that makes it extremely difficult. Even if, even if JVT, I say to you right now, of course I think Stroud's going to win the Heisman. He had an amazing year. Ohio State has a number of offensive weapons back. They should challenge for the Big Ten. They should have a playoff spot. That doesn't mean, though, I want to bet Stroud, even though I really think he's the guy you got to believe wins it. Well, and to add to that, too, and this is something you write about, uh, it, when you're looking at you know guys outside of the obvious choices, let's stick with, uh, with an Ohio State. If you talk about Stroud, you've talked about the fact in your article he has made it known that he wants to be a more pass-centric offense. And so while people might think the pieces around him are viable candidates to win the Heisman, it does mean that you're essentially playing against Stroud or asking him to miss time, no? Absolutely. So Trevion Henderson, fantastic running back who came out last year and played so well for Ohio State. He's got that uh, that body, the look. He looks like a Heisman running back if this was the 1970s, the 1980s. The problem is for him in the Heisman race is he's playing with that new age quarterback. So it's very difficult to look at Henderson to be a running back. And as we've said, there's only been three of them in the last 22 winners. So he's got that going against him. And then Henderson has the guy handing off the ball who really doesn't want to hand off the ball for Ohio State. He wants to throw it. And he is the face of that program right now. So if you look at Henderson, if you look at Jackson Smith and Jigba, they're just going to be very difficult they need Stroud to do well for them to win the Heisman. But if Stroud does well, he should win the Heisman because he's the favorite. So it's almost like this Rubik's Cube that just keeps getting turned and turned and comes back to Stroud each time. So let's go with another angle here. And I really like the way that you presented this. And I've already heard because you presented in your article like, hey, you're going to hear Bijan Robinson presented a lot. And I have already uh, as a Heisman candidate potentially in the range of double digits. But the way you put this in your article, essentially how this coincides with their schedule, which includes Alabama, betting Robinson now is probably not the smartest thing in the world, correct? Absolutely. If you're going to bet Robinson in that 25-to-1 ballpark, 
basically he has to have a great season. That goes without saying, but part of that great season is an early season contest against Alabama. So you're looking at Robinson 25 to one to have a great season to win the Heisman within that great season has to be Texas beating Alabama. There's no way he can win it without having a great game against Alabama, just like Johnny Manziel did a few years back. He needs that Alabama game to win the Heisman, but that Alabama game is only one small part of the the entire puzzle. So the way I look at it in the article is if you want Robinson, if you really feel this is the year of a running back, you like his two-way potential, which you saw last year, the way I look at it is why don't you boil down the season to that Alabama game where Alabama right now is catching 15 points, they're plus 500, why not just play that? And if you if you have these strong convictions about Robinson, you play that one piece. And if it happens in your favor, you're getting paid off five to one. And it takes away all the mystery of what happens for Robinson and Texas after that Alabama game. So I think if you look at Heisman candidates, you have to look inside of what it takes to have a great season. And obviously for all these power conference players that we're going to focus on, there's one, two, maybe four or five really big marquee games. And I would rather micromanage and bet those games for some of these guys than do it the whole season. So think about the Heisman bet. You are betting on that one player for the entire season. So as we look at this now and we expand this out even more, uh, I will always say that you know what, like in recent years, uh, the year that Indomitian Sue did not win the Heisman, I thought that was the year. I was like, well, I don't know if defensive player ever is going to win this award. We've talked about quarterbacks being the main winners of this award, but is there a legitimate shot that Will Anderson of Alabama could actually win this thing this year? Absolutely. I don't think it's, as you said, JBT, it's a legitimate shot. I don't think it's just, oh, it's a fun talking point. Can this linebacker, can this rusher, can this defender win the Heisman? I think he is just as much a candidate of any quarterback of any running back. And the reason being, think about how much criticism the uh, voters got last year for Anderson not coming to New York to be part of the Heisman uh, award ceremony. There was such strong conviction last year that he belonged there. Now he's back. Alabama looks to be as tough as ever. The defense is going to be awesome. He's going to be rushing. And one of the reasons I think Anderson is legitimate is it's Alabama. He's going to be on national television every week. He's a Lawrence Taylor type highlight player. So the other reason I I like Anderson and I think there's a legitimacy to him is we don't have to get on the quantitative side. How many sacks does he need? How many tackles for losses? We don't have to go that far. How many great highlight plays can Will Anderson have every week that keep getting repeated and repeated, shared on social media? We see it on television. How many highlight plays can he make? And I think he can make two or three as he did last year. So I don't think it's a pipe dream. I don't think it's a talking point. I think he is absolutely a legitimate candidate to win the Heisman. All right, Aaron, last 90 seconds really quickly. Um, long shot on the board that you think is worth investing in at this point right now is who? Well, I like Sam Hartman and trying to see where the trends go. When we talk about these being subjective 
uh, awards where we look at what voters are thinking about. So I like Sam Hartman out of Wake Forest, the, the quarterback who put up great offensive numbers last year. And I see the parallel to what Kenny Pickett did last year in the ACC. That Pitt hung around long enough just to be in the periphery of the national championship conversation. And I see Wake Forest and that amazing offense doing it again. Now, I don't think Wake Forest is going to win the national championship. I think Sam Hartman is a long shot to do it. However, if you can get 50 to 1, or as I point out in the article, at Circa, he's 100 to 1. Think about for those betters who had a number of uh, Heisman voters, excuse me, Heisman bets in their futures portfolio last year. You keep that Kenny Pickett last year. It kept going and going, and it gave you good equity. So I think if you get in Sam Hartman right now, it's going to give you equity as the season progresses, and maybe it goes down to three or four other candidates, and there's still plus odds that maybe you can take those guys and hopefully get a winner with a Heisman future. Aaron, thank you very much for the time. It was an awesome piece, and as I said, I always enjoy reading your work, so we'll talk again soon, sir. Appreciate it, JVT. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Pub Relation Prop up on Twitter, and then, of course, check out all the work up in Point Spread Weekly. All right. All done for today. Hey, big news coming up in two weeks. We're going to have a football show. We'll have more details on that as the days go by. But until then, enjoy the run line, and I'll see you later. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.